What's going on, Football MD fam? Welcome back to episode 35 of the Football MD podcast. Week 15 of the fantasy season is in the books, and it was a crazy week. A lot of fantasy superstars that likely got you to this point in the playoffs put up dud games, and then a lot of players that you've likely moved on and were just holding onto your bench for no good reason likely outperformed your starters. Hopefully you survived. It was a bizarro world type of week. But we're here to break down the madness and provide some clarity to get you guys through the remainder of the fantasy season. My name is Michael Bowling, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Daniel Ronan. How are you doing today, Dan? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you today, man? Doing pretty good. So a few crazy fantasy matchups this past week didn't go the way I wanted, but you know, that's fantasy. It takes it takes a lot of skill to make it to the playoffs. Once you get into the playoffs, it's honestly a lot of luck. You can try and make the right calls and you just got to keep your fingers crossed cuz you can have a week like this past one and well, shout out to the uh F Week 17 league where the Football MD podcast team will be in the finals this week. Uh, looking for that fantasy championship over in that league for the podcast. Yeah, that'll be a nice one to take home. Shout out to those guys. Super fun league all year long. And I can't believe the fantasy season is actually coming to an end already. And you have a little announcement about something that our fans can look forward to in the offseason. So you want to talk about that real quick? Yeah, definitely. Guys, we wanted to remind you that in the offseason, we're still going to be bringing you quality content. And if you know me, you know I am a big draft fan. I am an aspiring NFL scout, and I really like diving into film, stats, really looking at the draft and that upcoming talent from the NCAA. And each and every week or episode, however often I can get get it to you guys, I'll even be popping them up on the Instagram page, maybe a video here or there on there as well. I'll be doing player spotlights and I have the first one for you here today, and we'll get into it later, but it's something I'm super excited for, and it's a little reminder that we're going to be having some quality content in the offseason for you guys who, you know, fantasy season might be over, but you're into the draft, you're into free agency, and you're just excited. You're diehard fans, and you don't want to give it up. We'll be bringing you content all year round. Yeah, and even just for prepping for next fantasy season, you're going to have a little bit more insight. So I'm definitely excited to have Dan start bringing all of that stuff out to you guys. But we have a lot of games, a lot of craziness to get to here. So we're going to hop right into it with our first matchup of the week. And this was a super exciting game. The LA Chargers beating the Kansas City Chiefs 29-28. to Yeah, it was really stunning for me. I mean, what did they lead for a total of four seconds in that game? The yeah. final four seconds that they ticked off the clock? It was really impressive, and we were just talking about it, and I was explaining. I couldn't agree more with the with the call to go for two there, and you said you were on the same page. Yeah, I just think that when you're playing a team like the Kansas City Chiefs and you're in that situation, especially when you've been trailing for the entire game, you can't let them get the ball back. You can't put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands. You have to go for two. You have to try and put the game away while you have the chance, especially since that's the only chance that you've had throughout the entire game. So I think it was the right call, seized the opportunity, and it worked out for him. Oh, absolutely. I could, I really could not agree more. Like you said, it's just when you're facing a team that that's, that is that explosive on the offensive side of the ball, to have a coach like Andy Reid who can schematically beat you, you have a rock star quarterback right now and Patrick Mahomes and everything clicking for the team, you just don't want to take that chance as a, from the Chargers' perspective. For sure, and there's also a lot of fantasy analysis to come from this game, so I'll hop right into that. And 
apparently if your last name was Williams in this matchup, you had a pretty solid day for fantasy. Damian Williams had over 100 total yards, two touchdowns. Darrell Williams found the end zone. Terrell Williams had six for 71. And Mike Williams caught seven for 76. He had two touchdowns. And he had a 19-yard carry for his third touchdown of the night. But of course, it wasn't all great here. Keenan Allen left the game early with zero receptions. Current reports are that Keenan Allen and Melvin Gordon will be good to go against the Ravens this week. Not a great matchup by any means, but you're rolling with them if they are on the field. But I wouldn't be excited to start anyone else against the Ravens. I think Mike Williams, he has the best chance to find the end zone here so I'd go with the upside there if you're in a pinch but that's about all I have for the Chargers offense from this past week and for the Kansas City Chiefs clearly this offense has been clicking all season but it was a little surprising on Thursday night against the Chargers because the typical suspects weren't really in play Travis Kelsey and Tariq Hill although relevant and made some big plays they were not as good as they usually are both had down weeks Tariq Hill specifically is dealing with some injuries and Something to monitor going forward. But the big news is at the running back position. Without Spencer Ware, you had Damian Williams step in. 10 carries, 49 yards, 2 touchdowns. Also adding 6 receptions for 74 yards in the passing game. So, highly involved, highly productive. And I'm going to say, you know, me and uh, my co-host here, Mike, didn't really necessarily agree. He'll tell you how he feels about it. But to me, Damian Williams... When I picked up Spencer Ware after Kareem Hunt left, I kept an eye on Spencer Ware, obviously. I was an owner of him. And the minute 26, Damian Williams started carrying the balls, carrying the ball, I was nervous. He's a better back. He's more explosive. He fits in the scheme better. He's a better receiver, in my opinion. He was immediately a threat. The fact that Spencer Ware went down, to me, opened the door for him. It's going to be his position. It's better for the team, in my opinion, if they keep him there. In my opinion, he's a better back. You feel a little bit different. You feel Spencer Ware is the veteran. Yeah, I just think that Spencer Ware was solid for the Chiefs when he was healthy. I don't think him missing one week is going to completely make him take the backseat to Damian Williams, although Williams did look good. So I'm not expecting Williams to just not be involved going forward. I think that if Spencer Ware is back and he is healthy, I'll probably have them both as high-end RB3s, low-end RB2s, just because I do think that they'll cut into each other's work. But if Ware is hampered, if he does miss this game, I'll have Damian Williams as a high-end RB2. So I like both of these running backs. I just think that they'll cut into each other's work if they are both on the field. They're both talented, and they should both be utilized. And in our next matchup of the week, it's the Houston Texans taking on the New York Jets, who played an awesome game, but the Houston Texans came out with the victory at the end. Deshaun Watson was good, 22 of 28. For 294 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. He was also the leading ball carrier with four carries for 26 yards because Lamar Miller, after three carries for eight yards, stepped out of the game due to injury. They say it's not too serious. They say he'll be back next week, but definitely something to monitor. We don't recommend in the fantasy finals or semifinals, depending on your league, rolling with Alfred Blue, but he would be the next in the pecking order if Miller was to miss the game. And besides that, as per usual with the Houston Texans, it was the DeAndre Hopkins show. 10 receptions, 170 yards, and 2 touchdowns. After 4 down weeks, this was a relief for guys who were in the semifinals or quarterfinals of their leagues and really needed a superstar to give them that big week. DeAndre Hopkins delivered. And speaking of superstars, Sam Darnold, nah, I'm just kidding, but Sam but Sam Darnold, he definitely did impress me. 253 passing yards, 2 touchdowns, another 35 yards on the ground. 
you're not going to be starting him in fantasy this season, but definitely some optimism for the future for Jets fans, for Dynasty Leagues. And it was really Robbie Anderson with another big day. He now has 11 receptions, 172 yards, and two touchdowns on 25 targets over the last two weeks. Still wouldn't feel great about relying on him at this point in the season. He is not likely someone that you have been relying on, but if you need an upside play, the Packers are certainly not a scary matchup for wide receivers. I think they've actually allowed like the fourth most points to fantasy wide receivers on the season. So... You know, I'm kind of changing my own mind here. Maybe you do want to start Robbie Anderson this week if you're in a tight spot, if you're running back heavy and you can slide someone problem, in. The only problem with that is if you're like me and you draft a Robbie Anderson, you cut him long, long time ago. This is just another one of those <laughs> bizarro world performances. The guys that you already parted ways with, they're putting up numbers now. And But he has the talent. He had a better quarterback. Inconsistent quarterback play. Yeah. But with Sam Darnold, he's looked a lot better. So if... I'll probably have Robbie Anderson in that higher end wide receiver three, lower end wide receiver two radar this week. Make sure you tune into our episode later in the week to find out where he really does land for us. But really, Elijah McGuire is the only other guy that I would be considering here outside of Robbie Anderson. I know that he didn't look great on Sunday, but he did find the end zone. He now has 35 carries over the last two weeks with 20 or more touches in each of those games. So the volume is there, and this week's matchup against the Packers is much more favorable than the Texans. So he's 100% on the flex radar for me in championship week. Not something I thought I would have been saying back in September. And in our next matchup, the second Saturday matchup this past week, that was the Cleveland Browns edging out the Denver Broncos in Denver 17-16. And Baker Mayfield had a decent day, 180 yards, two touchdowns. He did have a one interception. But again, they're relying on Nick Chubb, 20 carries for 100 yards, highly productive, highly involved, five yards per carry average. And in the passing game, the ball was spread around too much, so unfortunately, if you were relying on Jarvis Landry, he only gave you three receptions for 37 yards. You see this with quarterbacks who are feeling it, or you know they're or they're just a little bit better. They don't rely on one wide receiver. It's better for the team this way. And Baker Mayfield's starting to develop. He is a good quarterback, but he's getting more comfortable with the NFL game. You're going to see him distributing more, and you won't see that relying on one big player so not much for the Cleveland Browns but definitely an edging win and six wins on the season so uh yeah congratulations to Cleveland and yeah. they play the Bengals in week 16 so are you saying with two weeks left they could have a winning record I don't know who do they play in week 17 Ravens who is who, who are good, who's a good team don't get me wrong they're a good team I'll even go as far to say as they're a better team at eight wins right now but they're beatable they're a beatable team Definitely beatable, and regardless of how the season ends for the Browns, definitely an exciting time to be a Browns fan nonetheless. And I wish I could say the same for the Denver Broncos, but this offense is just pretty tough to watch right now. Phillip Lindsay, he's totaled just 95 yards over his last two games. I'm going right back to him this week. I don't care. It's the Oakland Raiders in Week 16, so Phillip Lindsay has been good enough to this point in the season. You can't buy into two down weeks. But other than that, I really don't want to trust any of the Broncos' pass-catching weapons with Case Keenum at the helm. If I had to pick between Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, and Tim Patrick, I would go with Hamilton. I think he has the least big playability, but he also has the safest floor, in my opinion. He's been the most heavily targeted over the last two weeks. However, I'm still not excited about any of these options. And in our next matchup, Dallas shockingly gets shut out by your boys, what, the Annapolis Colts, what, what? 23 to nothing. So I'll take the... Very, very quick breakdown of the Dallas Cowboys, who did absolutely nothing right the entire game. It wasn't their day. It was an unfortunate day. 
I'm also not buying into it. That's my main point on the Dallas Cowboys. They have been hot. I do think they're the best team in the NFC East. I still think they win the division. I still think they make the playoffs. I still think they're a real threat. If they get Zeke rolling with Amari Cooper on the outside, the play action works for Dak. He can get rushing yards. He can get open throw-in lanes. They have a good defense. A down week, but still pretty positive for the Dallas Cowboys. For sure, and the Colts defense has not been a positive matchup by any means. They still have yet to allow a 100-yard rusher on the season. It's week 16, people. That is crazy. Um, That's definitely not something that even myself, big-time Colts fan, that I never saw that coming this year. So definitely nice to see. And I will say for the Cowboys, things should get much better this week against the Buccaneers. So you can expect a little bit of a bounce back there. But then for the Colts offense, it just wasn't a very productive day for quarterback Andrew Luck with 192 yards through the air, 20 yards rushing. They were really just able to lean on running back Marlon Mack, who looked great. 27 carries, 139 yards, two touchdowns. Really impressive outing against a tough defense. I think having center Ryan Kelly back in the lineup makes the run game just play that much better. I'll have a stat of the day coming out for Ryan Kelly and the impact that he has on that offense, so make sure you're looking out for that on our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter pages. But Mack, he'll most likely be a must-start for me this week against the New York Giants in your championship matchups. And then T.Y. Hilton, he was playing through some injuries. He still caught 5 of 8 for 80 yards. Nothing spectacular, but also don't let Marlon Mack's performance fool you. As I said about the Indianapolis Colts, the Cowboys defense is still very legit. So I'll take a double-digit game from Hilton in a tough matchup any day. He's going to be solid going forward. But now we have another shutout to cover. The Tennessee Titans beating the New York Giants 17-0. And the weather was horrible in this game, so I don't want to draw too many conclusions for fantasy. But I have to give Derrick Henry some props. Dan, I know you were high on him in the offseason. And this is the guy that you projected in 2B. We're finally getting that. It's great to see. And you were, you've were you been hyping him up since the offseason, saying that he's the type of player that you have to get him going. You have to give him a ton of opportunity. He'll wear down defenses. He gets better as the game goes. And that's really what it looks like. It looks like defenses. It's late in the season. Defenses are tired and they have this monster Derrick Henry running downhill at them. People just don't want to tackle him. It's week 15 in the NFL season. Nobody wants to tackle this guy. So he's really just peaking at the right time. If you have stashed him, you're extremely happy. He had 474 yards and five touchdowns over his first 12 games. And he's now gone for 408 yards and six touchdowns over his last two games. Now keep in mind, I know that averaging 204 yards and three touchdowns per game over the last two weeks, that just is not sustainable production. But even before his monstrous game in week 14, Henry had found the end zone five times in his previous six games. So he's been serviceable over the second half of the season. And he'll be a must start for me against the Washington Redskins this week, who have allowed 900 rushing yards and over five yards per carry over their last seven games. So Dan, giving you some props here for Derrick Henry. Didn't come as early as you wanted it to. But nonetheless, being early to the party is better than being late to the party. And the only other player that I want to note from the Titans... Then missing the party. exactly. I like that one even more. We'll, we'll keep that one. And the only other player from the Tennessee Titans that I want to note is Taewon Taylor. He's now had more targets and more receiving yards than Corey Davis over the last three games and could probably be used as an emergency flex play this week as he'll be matched up with Fabian Moreau, who has really started to decline with the entire Washington Redskins team, for that matter, as of late. On the other side of the ball, though, not much to talk about, obviously. Giants laying the goose egg. Barkley's first game under 95 total scrimmage yards. No Odell Beckham Jr. Evan Ingram was the guy who had the good day with eight receptions for 75 yards, but no scores, obviously. Eli Manning, an interception, no touchdown. So 
just a really, really bad game in bad, in bad weather in New York for the Giants. So going forward, it's Barkley, Beckham, or Bust. And next up, we have two more teams that you're likely avoiding for the most part. The Washington Redskins beating the Jacksonville Jaguars 16-13. to And we'll keep this one quick. You just aren't trusting anyone from the Redskins. Congratulations to quarterback Josh Johnson for coming away with the win here. But this offense is just a mess right now. Adrian Peterson, he rushed for 51 yards. And he'll now face a Titans defense who we just said shut down Saquon Barkley on Sunday. So he's the only player that you may have been considering. But you really shouldn't be. So the Washington Redskins offense just it's a full avoid for me going forward and for the Jaguars it's pretty similar the only player you care about is Leonard Fournette and he was pretty bad this past week 11 carries for 46 yards three receptions for 18 yards no score just not gonna cut it for a guy who you drafted in the first maybe second round if you were lucky <laughs> you know what I'm saying like not paying off this season and Again, if you drafted that guy in the first or second round, how do you not play him in the fantasy finals or or, or whatever last couple weeks? It's difficult, but we could almost advise to not. The offense is not good, but based off of sheer volume, you'll probably have him in your lineup. Yeah, it's two down games in a row now. I know that the Jaguars are struggling, but you just expect him to be better. That's what he was drafted to be for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you want to see a little bit more from him. And he's now on the injury report with a foot injury, so make sure that's something that you are monitoring as the week progresses. But I don't want to spend too much more time on either of these teams. It's Leonard Fournette or nothing. So we'll move right over to our next game of the week, the Oakland Raiders falling to the Cincinnati Bengals 16-30. to And of course, as soon as I show a little bit of optimism towards the Raiders' offense saying that Doug Martin could be started in a plus matchup. He has his worst game since week six with just nine yards for 39 carries. I'm back to Jared Cook is the only player that you can trust going forward and even he disappointed this week but that's bound to happen from time to time at the tight end position. It's Jared Cook or nothing from the Raiders offense for me. And on the other side of the ball for the Cincinnati Bengals there was Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd. Unfortunately Tyler Boyd done for the season Luckily, before he sustained his injury, he did give you a touchdown this week to save his day. But now going forward, it is Joe Mixon, and that is it. He had 27 carries, 129 yards, and two touchdowns, and added two receptions as well on four targets. He's the only guy who's been productive. He's the only guy who is heavily involved and can be relied on without A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd in the lineup. And in our next matchup, the Green Bay Packers take on the Chicago Bears and fall 17-24. to The big news of this game was the injury sustained to Aaron Jones. He is officially out of the lineup. Jamal Williams is a borderline must-start going forward in your fantasy semis or finals. He had 16 total touches, 12 carries for 55 yards and a touchdown, adding four receptions for 42 yards on five targets. So just heavily involved without Aaron Jones, pretty much no real backup behind him. He's going to be getting the majority of the work. Devonta Adams, eight receptions, 119 yards, just short of that 20-point day. And he's been as consistent as it gets. Nobody has been more consistent than the Devonta Adams, which is surprising because Aaron Rodgers has not been that consistent. He has not been that great. You drafted him high, and he hasn't really paid off in the most recent weeks. Yeah, a little Aaron Rodgers stat from this past week's matchup. This was the first game since 2014 that he threw more interceptions than touchdowns. So just to really put a stamp on the lackluster performances that Aaron Rodgers has been giving you, I am expecting him to bounce back against the Jets this week, but man, it's 
has not been great sledding if you've had him on your team. But on a more positive note, congratulations to the Chicago Bears for locking up the division. Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen both found the end zone here. We said on Saturday's episode that this matchup suited Howard's skill set, so no surprise there. But really, Tariq Cohen and the Bears defense are the only options that I trust week in and week out. Trubisky is a fine streamer, but he's been pretty up and down since week nine. And there's just so many pieces in the Bears passing attack with Allen Robinson dealing with a hip injury and typically facing the opponent's top cornerback. I don't want to be starting anyone else on this team outside of Tariq Cohen, the Bears defense, and Mitch Trubisky as a streamer. And in the next game, Detroit traveled to Buffalo, where Josh Allen, in an impressive performance, gets another win for the Bills, beating the Lions 14-13. And on the Lions side of the ball, it was a huge day for Kenny Galladay. Seven receptions, 146 yards. Unfortunately, didn't get the touchdown, but super productive on his on his high reception total and he just hasn't been good recently and next week he draws Xavier Rhodes and the Minnesota Vikings so not a great matchup but hopefully you had him in your lineup this week and you enjoyed the one boom week that he finally gave you because we've all been expecting that since Golden Tate has left. And for the Buffalo Bills, we have to shout out quarterback Josh Allen, the number one quarterback in fantasy since week 12. I think he'll be a fine streamer this week against the New England Patriots in championship week. But that's really it for the Buffalo Bills. LaShawn McCoy and Chris Ivory weren't active here. You likely weren't relying on them anyway. And wide receiver Robert Foster can't go unnoticed. He's now had 94 or more yards in four of his last five games, and he's found the end zone two times during that span. But he's going to see a lot of Stephon Gilmore and Jason McCourty on the perimeter this week, so not an ideal matchup. But if you really do need an upside play, Robert Foster does have the skill set, and Josh Allen has the arm to hit him deep. In the next matchup, the Miami Dolphins get spanked by the Minnesota Vikings 41-17. I'm not usually that blunt about a victory, but the Minnesota Vikings really dominated this game. So not much to talk about on the Dolphins side of the ball. You're not trusting anybody in the passing game. Frank Gore sustained an injury. Kenyon Drake, after a couple of good weeks, gave you absolutely nothing. But Kalen Balage, just like I call for Derrick Henry, you call for Kalen Balage. <laughs> and this was the week. Ugh. 15 weeks too late. 12 carries, 123 yards, and saw the end zone. Like we said with Derrick Henry, better late than to miss the party. I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, not with this one. I really don't even know what to do here. I'm not sure what the Dolphins know about Kenyon Drake that we don't, but seeing just one carry after Frank Gore misses the entirety of the game, I'm not really sure what's going on, but this offense is just a full avoid for me, especially against Jacksonville next week. I'm pretty sure most of Miami has no no idea what's going on. I'm talking the coaching staff got no idea what's going on. The owner got no idea what's going on. It definitely looks like that right now, but one offense that looked much better this week was the Minnesota Vikings with Dalvin Cook as the focal point. And we cannot ignore that they were home against the Miami Dolphins, but still 19 carries, 136 yards, two touchdowns is impressive. Just something to watch out for. Dalvin Cook had 19 carries compared to 15 for Latavius Murray. This is a new offensive coordinator, so... This could turn into be a bit more of a committee than we had initially expected, but Dalvin Cook, he's still the guy that you want to own going forward. And then Kirk Cousins has really underwhelmed this season to say the least, especially over these last two weeks. 
Adam Thielen had just two catches on two targets for 19 yards on Sunday, and he actually has just one 100-yard game over his last six games and has been held to under 30 yards in three of those six. And then Diggs, he found the end zone on Sunday, but just four for 49 yards otherwise. He'll draw a tough matchup in Detroit against Darius Slay in Week 16, but you just have to keep on rolling with these guys. Adam Thielen will have a great matchup in the slot, so I would recommend Cook, Diggs, Thielen. You're going to keep on rolling with those guys for Week 16. And next up, we have the Arizona Cardinals falling to the Atlanta Falcons 14 to 40 and rookie quarterback Josh Rosen was benched for Mike Glennon in this matchup that's just a little snapshot of how this season has been going for the Arizona Cardinals you really don't want to have too much stock in this offense and you likely don't if you are in the fantasy finals however David Johnson was fine here with just over 100 total yards and a touchdown while Larry Fitzgerald really benefited from garbage time but nonetheless finished with seven receptions for 82 yards you know what you have in these guys at this point David Johnson is more of a running back too while Larry Fitzgerald is just a flex option for you. And on the other side of the ball for my beloved Atlanta Falcons, this was a game that they finally looked the part. Unfortunately, of course, it was against the Arizona Cardinals, who have been terrible, if not the worst team in the NFL this year. Nonetheless, Matt Ryan had a great day, 231 yards for two touchdowns. Tevin Coleman, with the Edo Smith injury, took took advantage. 11 carries, 145 yards, and a touchdown. He was running all over them. It looked like he could do no wrong. Julio Jones, also six receptions, 82 yards, and a touchdown. He, he did sustain an injury towards the end of the game, something to keep an eye on going forward. But it does pain me to say that as much as I love my Falcons, and I'm so happy that they finally had a halfway decent game against a terrible team, we wouldn't advise you to rely on these guys going forward with full confidence. Now, Tevin Coleman, he's going to get a lot of touches next week, in my opinion, without Ido Smith. They're bringing up a running back from the practice squad. They're not going to rely on him. It's going to be the Tevin Coleman show. Based off of volume and skill set, I would say Tevin Coleman is worth being in your lineup, but I wouldn't really be trusting Calvin Ridley, Muhammad Snu, any of these guys if it's not Julio Jones. If it's not Tevin Coleman, if it's not Matt Ryan, or Austin Hooper even at the abysmal tight end position. Besides those guys, really wouldn't advise just because they had a field day on Sunday playing these guys for no reason. Up next, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fall to the Baltimore Ravens 20-12. to And obviously we know the Baltimore Ravens is a very stout defense, which meant not very much offensive work for the Bucks side of the ball. And Jameis Winston only threw for 157 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Of that 157 yards, 121 of them went to Mike Evans on four receptions. And although the high receiving total, he didn't get in the end zone. So Peyton Barber with 19 carries, 85 yards, and a touchdown had the best day of the group. And Peyton Barber has been better. He's now scored in four of his last five and has 20-plus touches in three of his last five games. And for the Ravens, quarterback Lamar Jackson continues to get it done on the ground in plus matchups. Every team that he's played so far has been bottom six in fantasy points allowed to the quarterback position, but that rushing ability that he has keeps him locked in into that mid to high-end quarterback two range for me every single week, even against the Chargers coming up in week 16. And then Gus Edwards played well here, taking 19 carries for 104 yards and a touchdown. Kenneth Dixon looked good as well. He got 11 carries for 48 yards. He wasn't utilized in the passing game as much as I would have expected, but I guess game script didn't really require that here. They ran the ball a ridiculous 49 times, and I do think that'll change this week as the Ravens are going to 
have to throw a lot to keep up with the LA Chargers. Gus Edwards is still the guy to own, but he has zero receptions over his five starts. So there is a chance that we see Kenneth Dixon more involved. He was on one of our waiver wire targets from this past week. I'm not even sure if anyone cares at this point, but if you are in a tight spot at the running back position in a PPR league, Kenneth Dixon could have some sneaky upside this week. And now we'll hop right over to the Seattle Seahawks falling to the San Francisco 49ers 23 to 26. And Russell Wilson didn't have the big day here that I expected, but he was still fine for fantasy. 237 passing yards, zero interceptions, two touchdowns, both of which went to wide receiver Doug Baldwin, another one of those bizarro world performances. You likely had Baldwin on your bench, but I am a fan of the player, so it was cool to see him have a solid game here. But Chris Carson is really the only guy that I want to talk about from the Seahawks. 22 carries for 119 yards and a touchdown. This is against the 49ers run defense that's been solid and just held Philip Lindsay to 30 yards last week. Carson has now scored in four of his last five and has 55 or more rushing yards in each of those five games. I'll probably end up having him as a borderline running back one against the Chiefs this week. And on the other side of the ball for the San Francisco 49ers, stealing a solid win in overtime. Matt Breida had 17 carries for 50 yards and a 2.9 yard per carry average. Not very impressive, not very good. But he did add five receptions for 46 yards, pretty much saving his day, giving him over 95 total all-purpose yards and double-digit point total in PPR settings. Because Bryda gets that 20-plus touches, he should be on your radar. And surprisingly enough, Nick Mullins has, has been serviceable at quarterback for them, benefiting the passing game slightly. Besides your standard George Kittle, you're also getting Dante Pettis involved, who had five receptions for 83 yards this past week, and he's now had over 80 yards for or a touchdown in each of his last four games. I doubt the 49ers will get much going on the ground against the Bears this week, so expect Pettis to remain right in the wide receiver three range for your week 16 matchups. And next up, we have the New England Patriots falling to the Pittsburgh Steelers 10-17. And this Patriots offense is more difficult to trust now than ever. Julian Edelman, based off of volume alone, is the only option that I really have confidence in to finish in that wide receiver two range every week. I know that Josh Gordon was covered by Joe Hayden, but getting just two targets in this game is ridiculous in my opinion. And the Steelers have been crushed by tight ends this season. So to see Rob Gronkowski put up just two receptions for 21 yards is definitely concerning. And then in the run game, James White had 24 snaps. Sony Michelle played 19 and Rex Burkhead had 16. Burkhead has been cutting into White's role enough to make him difficult to trust, but Burkhead also has not been productive enough to be able to trust him in your lineup either. So you're really just hoping one of these guys finds the end zone. I still think that Sony Michelle is your best bet every single week, but he's now scored just once since week six. So just not a ton of confidence in this offense right now right now. They just don't seem to be firing on all cylinders. I know that you never want to count out Tom Brady, but his performance as of late has certainly been concerning. Concerning for fantasy, in my opinion, not concerning, not concerning for real football. I hear a lot out there right now, a lot of speculation about how he doesn't have it, he's losing it, this and that. I'm not buying that hype. But I'll get right into the Steelers side of the ball. A good solid win for the Steelers this week, obviously beating the New England Patriots. And Jalen Samuels really proved that the offensive line for the Pittsburgh Steelers paves the way for a very productive running back position, regardless of who suits up and plays in that position. Samuels had 19 carries for 142 yards and added two receptions on two targets for 30 yards. So be aware that James Conner might return next week, but 
If he's not 100%, Samuels might still be involved. And whoever is getting touches is going to be productive in that backfield. Typically, the Steelers do roll with one guy, one workhorse back. But the only way I see that not being the case and not having James Conner slide right back into his role is if he's not 100%. And then the situation just gets kind of gross if they are both going to be involved because this Saints defense, they've been one of the best in the NFL against the run. So if it's going to be a split backfield or if James Conner is going to be in a limited role, if they're going to have him on a snap count, I think both of these guys are going to be maybe James Conner will have him as a running back two and Jalen Samuels as a high-end running back three. Maybe that's just it's going to be a really tough situation that you're going to struggle to trust in the fantasy finals. Yeah, and in the passing game, it was really surprising. James Washington, James Washington led the pack with 65 yards on three receptions. But, you know, let's not be fooled. It's still Antonio Brown. It's still Juju Smith-Schuster. They combined for eight receptions. 89 yards and one touchdown between the two of them on 17 targets. Not their most productive game, but definitely not worried about them going forward. They're both elite. They're both terrific wide receivers who do everything right with a good quarterback. No worries about Juju and AB for your finals or your semifinal matchup. And next up is the Sunday night matchup between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Los Angeles Rams, where the Eagles won 30-23. to Surprisingly enough, Nick Foles comes in and creates some magic again. I mean, he had no touchdowns, and he did throw an interception, but he also threw for 270 yards and facilitated a win. Wendell Smallwood came in relief for Josh Adams with the injury and had 10 carries for 48 yards and two touchdowns. So as long as Adams is out of the lineup going forward, you might want to look at Wendell Smallwood. He's been productive, and they've relied on him in the past, so very familiar with the scheme and everything that they do there in Philadelphia. In the passing game, it was definitely the Alshon Jeffrey show. Even Zach Ertz took a little backseat this game. Alshon Jeffrey bringing in eight receptions on eight targets for 160 yards. No scores in the passing games. As I said, Nick Foles didn't throw a touchdown pass. He didn't score. But the three scores in the run game between two with Wendell Smallwood and one for Adams was enough for them to edge out the Los Angeles Rams. A good solid win for the Philadelphia Eagles. I do believe it's a little too late for them. I think Dallas Cowboys will walk away with that division. But nonetheless, still an impressive win and nice to see Nick Foles come in and create some magic just as he did last season. And I'll hop right over to the Rams' side of the ball, and Jared Goff was just awful here. This is two weeks in a row now that he's put up dud games. I really expected him to be a top option this week against the Eagles' secondary, and now he'll be up against the Cardinals' defense this week. That really hasn't allowed much to fantasy quarterbacks all season long, so he's going to be tough to sit. But I'd be lying if I said I had a ton of confidence in him this week. Otherwise, you're rolling with the same guys that you have been. Josh Reynolds, he caught 5 for 70 here, so he was fine. A good amount of that did come from the Rams playing catch-up, though, and I don't expect that to be the situation against the Cardinals this week. And the only other thing of note here is that running back Todd Gurley was dealing with a knee injury. He did come back into the game, but regardless, he's currently listed as day-to-day, so his backup, John Kelly, must be rostered just in case he is held out. At this point in the season, you don't need six running backs and six wide receivers on your fantasy roster. What you need is insurance for your stars that got you to this point. So make sure that you are rostering John Kelly. 
And for our final game of the week, the New Orleans Saints beating the Carolina Panthers 12-9. Obviously, from this score, you can tell that there was not a ton of fantasy production here. I expected this game to go very differently, but instead, we got Drew Brees finishing with a passer rating of 28.5 and Cam Newton finishing with a passer rating of 21.1. Not ideal from either side. And for the Saints, Alvin Kamara was serviceable, but he did save his day with a touchdown. Of course, you're going to continue to start him next week with no concerns. And then in the passing game for wide receiver Michael Thomas, he hasn't found the end zone and has has surpassed 49 receiving yards just once over his last four games and that's despite some really good matchups against the Carolina Panthers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Atlanta Falcons. Now he'll be up against the Steelers this week where he'll see Joe Hayden, probably the toughest matchup that he's seen during that four-week span. You're not going to be sitting him, but certainly not an ideal situation rolling into the fantasy finals. And on top of that, Drew Brees has really just been brutal. Between weeks 13 and 15, Brees is currently the quarterback 31 for fantasy. And now all three of those games have been on the road, and, and Drew Brees and the Saints have played much better at home this season so that's where they'll play the Steelers this week I do expect a bit of a bounce back from this offense but of course like I said not the most ideal situation rolling into the fantasy finals and an ugly game for the Panthers on their side of the ball out of their nine points two of which came from an interception return for a touchdown on a two-point attempt so literally not much offense at all but what you fail to mention is Drew Brees might have had 28.5 quarterback rating and Cam Newton might have had a 20.1, but you failed to mention that Christian McCaffrey (laughs) had a perfect 100. So uh, the one guy who has been relevant and the one guy who you can trust, the only guy that you like on the Carolina Panthers this season, Christian McCaffrey, delivers again. He throws for a 50-yard touchdown pass. He runs for 53-yard It's on 15 carries, and he had 67 receiving yards through the air on eight eight receptions and 11 targets. Christian McCaffrey continues to get it done week in, week out. He's the only Panther you want. He's the only Panther you trust. And as a Falcons fan, I give no love to the Panthers, but Christian McCaffrey is pretty good. And before we wrap up episode 35, as promised in the beginning of the episode, I'll start bringing you a player spotlight where I break down potential draftees in this upcoming draft coming out of college. And the first one that I have for you today is Nikhil Harry, wide receiver out of Arizona State. He attended high school in Arizona, 89 receptions for 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns in two years as a varsity starter. He's 6'4", 210 pounds, and he was the number two recruit coming out of Arizona out of high school. And he was very productive and an immediate starter for Arizona State. He had three years as a starter, freshman, sophomore, and junior year, totaling 213 receptions, 2,889 yards, and 22 touchdowns. His sophomore year was 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns. And his junior season, this past season, he had 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns. So the past two seasons has been very good for him. And my scouting breakdown on Nikhil Harry is he's got the size and the speed that you want. He does everything well. He runs good, precise routes. He gives high effort, especially in blocking. He's selfless. He plays with a fire, which is exciting to watch and motivates the team. He has size and speed with technique. That's a rare combination. He has. A, he was productive with his limited carries in high school and in college. This. 
tells you that he's familiar with the run he's familiar with running the ball, carrying the ball well, and following blocking and blocking schemes. At Arizona State, he was schemed and moved all around the formation, so doing so in the NFL wouldn't be a problem. And this past season, he was benefited by having Herm Edwards, a former NFL head coach, as his head coach in college. Definitely going to help with an adjust with the tough adjustment from college to NFL. He does have some weaknesses. His big frame at 6'4", 210 pounds, leads you to believe he would be a very strong body wide receiver. And he does come up a little short in that aspect. He's not as strong as his size suggests. He could obviously add to the frame, but he struggles in press due to the lack of strength. And although you see the strong, solid technique time and time again on film, he heavily relies on his physical ability and sometimes too much so. He's looking for the big plays rather than making the smart, sound play. And he's doing so by relying on his God-given skill set, which is no doubt impressive. He's 6'10", 210 pounds. And oh, did I mention that he... He is rumored to run about a 4-4, low 4-4, 2-40. So he's got size, he's got speed, he's got everything you want. You still got to play the game right. You still got to rely on good, solid technique. Hard work beats talent every time. So before I wrap him up, possible fits in this upcoming draft. 49ers should be looking for a big body wide receiver. I know they got Dante Pettis this year, a guy that we're both high on, but he's better at working the slot and more of a possession kind of wide receiver. Nikhil Harry could be your outside big body red zone threat. Also looking for a similar guy, obviously the Cardinals trying to replace Larry Fitzgerald. The Buffalo Bills, who have nobody in their wide receiver core that really scares you or impresses you. The Ravens, who are in the same boat, and the Jags. And possibly the best fit, the fit that you're probably most excited for. For sure. Indianapolis Colts would be not only the best fit for them, but it would be the best fit for Nikhil Harry, in my opinion. And here's why. you got a quarterback who has proven he has returned and he is elite and is back at the top of his game. He can throw just as good as any quarterback in the NFL. He can make every throw. And the offense is clicking with Marlon Mack and T.Y. Hilton. If you add Nikhil Harry to that equation, that is a very dangerous, explosive, deep offense. Not to mention they play complementary football and they already have a top-tier defense. So a luxury pick nonetheless for the Colts, but something that would drastically benefit them. And Nikhil would come in with... As talented as he is, being the number two wide receiver on the team, people are still going to respect T.Y. Hilton, of course. So he'll be the number two wide receiver. He won't get, you know, the majority of coverages rolled his way, and he won't get guys like Jalen Ramsey and, and stud corners who follow and lock, lock wide receivers down. Nikhil Harry, somebody I'm really excited to see this upcoming offseason. Keep an eye out for... More of these player spotlights coming to you, especially with the offseason approaching. We're still going to be delivering you high-quality content for all you football fanatics who don't just stop when the season ends.
Yeah, and that for sure got me excited, not just for the Colts, because I would love to see them get a big-bodied wide receiver, but just for the entire draft process. It's just the offseason is a really fun time of year for the NFL. So like Dan said, make sure you guys are sticking around. Make sure you keep on listening to the podcast, following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at FootballMDPod. Heading over to FootballMDPodcast.com. We're going to be releasing a ton of articles over there and just really pushing out a ton of content, keeping you guys well-informed and ready to go for the NFL season, because it's going to come up quickly like it does every single year. And before Before you know it, it's week 15 again, and we're going to be having this same exact conversation. So make sure that you guys stick with us all offseason, but thank you so much for sticking with us to this point. Your support means everything to us, and we hope that we've been able to help you guys get to the fantasy finals in your leagues. So we're going to help you finish the season strong over the next week or so. Thank you guys again, and until next time. Thanks, guys. It's always a pleasure. Until next time.